All right. All right. It is Wednesday. I am so excited uh, to be back on the other side of the studio. And we are in uh, our second round together here, Ingrid, and I'm super excited. So we are coming back with you with Ingrid Hernandez. Excuse me, I almost like stumble getting that out. And so excited to talk about this very, very important topic. And Ingrid is the expert in pelvic floor health. And we cannot wait to have part two, continuing this conversation of pelvic floor health. Welcome, Ingrid. I'm so grateful to have you back. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about more, more details, more information that can help people. Uh, well, it's just so important, and I know that in you know conversations outside of this this studio um, that we've had is just how important it is to understand pelvic floor health and how it plays a role in your overall health and well-being. And I am a movement you know practitioner, and I hear it and I see it and I have personally experienced it when the pelvic floor is not at its best we know it and it shows up in a lot of different ways and a lot of us ladies and men i hear my men say it too you know it comes out with incontinence uh, when we don't want it to come out and we have maybe painful sex i hear that a lot in my practice uh, we get very you know it's very intimate here when i work with my clients and just a variety of things but what i see the most is just how it impacts there, you know, a client's movement, and you can always tell when the pelvic floor is weak. And one indicator is something that a lot of people get embarrassed about, but it's when the toots start to happen. We have a lot of flatulence occur in the studio, and I'm telling everybody, don't be embarrassed. It's human. We all do it. And I always say it means you're working your core, but it also could indicate that maybe the pelvic floor is maybe is not as strong as we would like for it to be. I'm going to let you take it over now <laughs> after that mouthful um, to give us some insight. I mean, I really would personally like to know as well. It's an area that I only that I know lightly and enough of the muscles, but I don't know really all of the, you know, the, the intricate parts that I know you can help guide us. Yeah, so the having, you know, flatulence, especially while exercising, we have that extra little bit of pressure on our pelvic floor is more common than people think, but people get very embarrassed about it. It can indeed be an early sign of some pelvic floor weakness. But the interesting thing is all the things you mentioned, whether it's the flatulence or the pain with sex or urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, those are all things that are pelvic floor related. But we often don't know how to make the connections to say we have these problems, but that is indeed my pelvic floor. So then we don't know how to get help, right? So I've heard the word pelvic floor, but what does that mean, right? Um, so very, very basic and, and simply said, our pelvic floor is like a sling or a hammock, you know, that holds our body up no matter what we do. Whether we sneeze, we cough, we exercise. It has sphincters, so that means it closes our urethra where you urinate from or our anal opening where we may toot um, or we have a bowel movement. So if those areas are weak, then we may lose urine, we may lose gas, we may lose fecal matter or poop, right? So all these things can happen if those sphincters don't work right. And then additionally, if those muscles are tight, 
week, we may have pain with intercourse. We may not be able to enjoy intercourse. That's a big thing, right? People don't want to talk about, but wow, that's a huge thing in our life. And it should be. It should be. Um, it, so those are all big things that can happen. If we relate it back to the exercise in particular, we need to think of the pelvic floor as the most important part of our core, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody hears, oh, I want my six pack for my core. But actually, that's the least important part <laughs> of the core, right? That is what people talk about to look good, but it's not necessarily what it is to function well, right? And to move well, as you said, being a movement specialist, I think that's a perfect tie-in. We want to be able to move through our life well. So our core, most importantly, the pelvic floor needs to be strong. And I think what we can do is just look at Here's a great picture in my book, The Musculoskeletal Mystery, How to Solve Your Pelvic Floor Symptoms on the whole core. So you can see the diaphragm on the top, back muscles in the back, the pelvic floor on the bottom, and the abdominals. So look at that wonderful structure with information on the other side on all the details of what each muscle does, right? So what it does is it helps us put together what the core means so we mm -hmm. can be stronger in class, in daily life, in avoiding the toots and all of that, right? So hopefully that kind of explains how that all comes together. So if we hold our breath, meaning our diaphragm's under pressure, that's the roof of our house, which is our core, right? And I think we talked a little bit once before about the whole core being like your house, which the pelvic floor is the foundation and the diaphragm is the roof of our house. So if something goes wrong with the foundation of our house, something's gonna go wrong with all other structures, right? So we need to focus on that pelvic floor while we're trying to strengthen everything and get our core under control, right? And if people can get that concept of that house and that foundation, I think it's easier to see why the pelvic floor is so important when we're strengthening and we're doing things. Absolutely. I And I love the image of it being the house, the roof and the foundation. And I know I teach the foundation of just life in general, we have to strengthen and really root ourselves. And so without a strong pelvic floor, it's next to impossible from my vantage, my view of being able to strengthen well above. So if you have a weak pelvic floor, you're likely going to have very weak breathing patterns. You're going to have a very weak, of course, you know, core inclusive of the six pack. We, it's not something that we want to just disregard, but it's the last group of the, you know, the superficial muscles that you want to focus on. You've got to go in there and go deep. And it really does start with the pelvic floor. And I, you know, I'm not sure what your take is, Ingrid, on how it affects uh, someone emotionally. Um, I have found many of my clients have been, you know, very Im much impacted emotionally, depression, anxiety, um, that I personally feel like is stemmed from not having a very strong foundation in the pelvic floor. It could be related to not having a very strong, you know, physical relationship with their partner. But I think it goes much deeper than that. I think it truly, in my view, I was just curious, like, you, where, what do you think about that in terms of how it impacts your hormones and emotions? 
Absolutely. So literature does show that those who have pelvic floor dysfunction have a higher risk for depression, anxiety, and many of the other things that we associate with having just a whole kind of body response to things. And I do say whole body because we, I think we have to get a little more used to talking about the body as a whole, the brain, pelvic floor, organs, everything. We're an integrated structure. We're not a heart. We're not a pelvic floor. We're not a brain. We're all of it together, right? So they found that, that I think the risk is higher if you think about it logically is kind of, well, if you're embarrassed to go out because you have urgency and every time you go to the store, you have to find that bathroom. After a while, you're not going to want to go out anymore. If you're having pain with sex and you don't really want to discuss that with your partner, yet sex becomes less and less and less enjoyable. Afterwards, after a while, that impacts the whole relationship, right? If we have fecal incontinence, oh my, we don't want to talk to anybody about having loss of poop. Oh my gosh, the smell, the everything else that is associated. And then going back to the toots, do we stop exercising? because we have that embarrassment and now that means our whole body physically is affected mm-hmm. and it cycles right so i think it has a huge impact on our mental state right on our mental health um so we have to consider that whole body because if we can make it understandable that this problem is happening because of the weakness in the pelvic floor and you can do something about it you can help yourself with it then that automatically also helps with the, the more emotional, you know, component of it, right? The brain component of it. You're not making things up. It's not in your head on one capacity, like you're making it up. It's in your head because that's where your brain is. And that's how you perceive things. So we have to understand that being things in your head is not making it up. It's how your brain perceives it. And every single person is different, right? So if we can do that whole body approach, I think we're ahead of the game. We really get much further with things. Mm, I totally agree. I do. And as you were speaking, I was just having examples of just, you know, past clients that I've heard various stories from, you know, one, you know, woman in her thirties that would come in and she would say, Lauren, I can't make it to the bathroom. What, I mean, what is going on with me? I'm just like so embarrassed. And then to the athlete who then feels like she can no longer run because she's, you know, peeing in her pants the whole way, you know, through it and stops running. But I'm hearing you say, and I have just, you know, had, the, uh, you know, the gift of now knowing you is that there is hope. I mean, you can reverse that. You can strengthen the pelvic floor at, you know, it doesn't matter what age. Um, we were talking about my, you know, 94 year, 93 year old uh, mother-in-law and just some situations that it's hard, but even in your nineties, you can still strengthen your pelvic floor. A hundred percent. I've had patients, I mean, the broad spectrum. And someone just asked me the other day, well, you know, someone in their seventies or eighties, do the muscles still, I'm like, Absolutely. I've had patients well into their 90s who do fabulously with pelvic floor, a pelvic floor program. Right. So it doesn't it really doesn't matter the age. It honestly doesn't. It's 
every age and the older you get the more you should be attuned to it um, because it does take a little longer for the muscles to come around as we get older but it does not mean we can't do it, it and when we as we get older generally we have a little bit more time you know being a, a mom or sandwich generation maybe prevents us from doing some things a hundred percent but as you get older usually you have a little more time to dedicate to it so they are just so awesome they're awesome patients i love my 80 90 year old patients because they just do so well right so kudos to them you know go for it you can change things at any age yes 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 now you know for someone who is listening now and you know they are having you know an you know a number of these issues or one of them, you know, whether it's painful sex, whether it is incontinence or fecal incontinence, um, what are some steps that they could take now, you know, over more than just doing Kegel exercises? We've had that conversation, but maybe we need to give the reminder that it goes beyond Kegel exercises. If yeah. those are not done correctly, you may be doing even, you know, you know, I don't know if it's more harm, but <laughs> I'll let you touch on that in the Kegel, um, the Kegel exercises, but then expand on that. Like how can people start to take some steps to help strengthen their pelvic floor? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the foundation would be pelvic floor exercises. And, and heard me say, I don't say Kegels because there is such a misconception as to what a Kegel is, right? And I have patients come in who say, I've been doing Kegels for years and I test them. And not only are they doing them incorrectly, they're doing something that makes their symptoms worse, right? So spending four pages in the book describing that pelvic floor contraction and relaxation, like we talked about before, is vital to knowing if you're going in the right direction. Um, so yes, the, the pelvic floor exercises is foundational, but there's some really important things I will say that people can really pay attention to. One is breathing. I mean, that sounds silly, but really good diaphragmatic breathing. Every breath you take works with the pelvic floor and vice versa. It's that same house concept, right? Or now think of it as a canister. So every breath we take affects the pelvic floor. So deep diaphragmatic breathing through the nose, slowly breathing out through the mouth already starts activating our pelvic floor. So throughout the day, You've got your lungs with you. You've got your nose with you. Just taking some deep breaths can already start activating the pelvic floor. It's a really cool thing to, to think about, but it's very, very helpful. The other is trying to prevent forces on your pelvic floor that help promote weakness. It doesn't mean it's going to cause it, but it, people who do very forceful things on their pelvic floor are at increased risk of weakening it. So what I mean by that is if we go to lift something, we want to prepare our pelvic floor and do an up and inward. So it would be a feeling of drawing your pelvic floor up and in and then trying to lift a heavy object rather than just holding our breath and grunting and straining. Straining is that downward force where we're improperly using our diaphragm on our pelvic floor. We want to make sure we're breathing. So you're yeah. breathing out as you lift and you're trying to hold your pelvic floor. So that's a good, like, just, I, I would say little tip or trick that you can use to prevent some forces, knowing how to have a bowel movement 
straining with a bowel movement, but breathing out with a bowel movement, sitting with your feet up on a stool with a bowel movement. These are things that help prevent stressors on our pelvic floor that lead to more problems down the road. So they're just like daily tricks that you can do. And then something as simple as walking, Mm -hmm. not running, walking. You could do good pace walking and burn tons of calories and get your whole body involved. And that helps the pelvic floor interact and work properly. If you have a lot of leakage with walking, walk slowly at first, breathe, do short distances and slowly increase it. Now with everything I just said, if you have difficulty with any of those things, that is a definite sign to go to pelvic PT because what they're going to do is evaluate you for what you can do as an individual, not, oh, you've got incontinence. I'm going to give you this program because you've got incontinence and everybody else should do it. It's no, I need to do this according to what your symptoms and your difficulty and your lifestyle is like, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Appropriate exercises. Mm-hmm. If you can't do pelvic floor exercises, <clears throat> excuse me, or you have pain with exercises, please go to a pelvic PT because pain is an indicator that there's shoe tightness and issues at the pelvic floor that absolutely need, need to be addressed, right? So I can't yeah. emphasize that enough. But those trips, ticks, I'm trying to say ticks <laughs> and <laughs> tips and tricks, I can't say that it, it together. Those are great ways for everybody to really help their pelvic floor. Oh, those are perfect. And, you know, so just thinking of you runners that I know that I have had many come into my doors that are frustrated because they feel like they can't run anymore because of the incontinence. Um, I, it, would, it, would you recommend starting with walking and practicing the pelvic floor lift as they're slowly walking like you were sharing? You know, I'm a fan of walking. I can't say running is just something I do and that I'm a super fan of, but um, I understand uh, those that do really get that runner's high, um, but I know you're not getting the runner's high if you're peeing your pants. So if they are walking and starting to integrate some of that pelvic floor exercise while they're doing that and just slowly start to build into uh, picking up the pace, um, is that something that you would recommend? Yeah, a lot of athletes know like training to the sport, right? Well, in a way, this is training to the sport that mm-hmm. sometimes you just pull back a little on the activity, incorporate this new skill and then build it up again. So what they're doing is they're going back to walking. It can be a good pace walk if they've been doing things for a long time. I always say with people who are very new at it, don't start with high level, start with low level and build. If you've been running, just back it down to a fast paced walk and practice those pelvic floor contractions, practice breathing. Notice what you're doing on an uphill or a downhill because that can change the forces on the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at all of those things together and mm-hmm. start practicing it for a couple weeks all of a sudden the pelvic floor starts to respond better and then you can test can i do a little run a walk a little run and a walk so it's an interval training rather than i'm just going to go back to run and what you notice is the leakage gets less and less that is so perfect and you know i hope that all of you listening you know please message us um I know that in my assessments that I give my clients always includes the pelvic floor um, and how just to help my clients determine whether, you know, a PT would be helpful, would be beneficial. 
Um, and Ingrid is just absolutely amazing. And I know that you're not, you know, you have a book. And so now you're really helping educators, which is amazing. And I'm super excited to do more workshops, especially in the field of our practitioners. I don't have my book with me because I took it to the Airstream in the mountains where we're moving. So you're going to have to show your copy. And it went, it's by my bedside. That was my bedside reading, pelvic floor. <laughs> Um, so I highly recommend, and I'll drop the link for her book because I highly recommend it's for everyone. And if you want to just have a very easy understanding, I love how you wrote the book, Ingrid, um, you know, for a topic that can be complicated, embarrassing, whatever, you know, just you have done such an amazing job helping to make it very clear and understandable, approachable. And I just have thoroughly enjoyed reading it. And it's, I'm grateful to have it as a resource. And it's so much of a resource. It's by my bedside table, you know, it's on my bedside table uh, from this past weekend. Um, so I, I will drop the link for the book. I don't have it right here. So I'm not going to drop it in the chat just yet. Um, but once we wrap up, I'll go back in so that everyone go get a copy because it truly is so helpful for everyone, everyone. And I know I guide my clients that are a little on the younger, maybe in their thirties, just similar to the 30 year old I was talking about who was really struggling with incontinence um, is that it, it starts early. You know, I've had my daughter, sorry, I want to say, but in her 20s saying, oh my gosh, mom, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm losing control. So it starts, you know, early if you're not catching it early. I know when I had my children, I, after my first one, I really didn't have control. And I remember jumping on a trampoline and I thought, oh my gosh, what just happened? So, you know, it's, it's really important. And uh, that is, why I just have loved this relationship with you, Ingrid, is um, it's a it's an area that we really have to keep bringing forward and understand the impact that it has on your overall health and well-being. It's a whole body thing, as Ingrid said, and it affects us physically. It affects us emotionally. And there is there is a way out of that. And I promise I've seen it. Ingrid certainly has seen it. Um, and we just really are here together to speak about the importance and that we want all of you to feel your best. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I think if we, if everybody can look at it in that perspective of the whole body and realize that there's help, you know, I think that sometimes people will have this condition and now I have no idea what to do about it. I'm the only one that has it. Those are the, the myths I want to dispel because many people have them and there's lots of stuff that can be done. So I really hope to change, you know, concept. And I thank you, Lauren. I think looking at your perspective of the movement and the body and all of that helps me, you know, think a little further into how does this affect people? So I think it's a great kind of marriage of, of thought processes that we have great ways of looking at things and we can come together and help people even more, you know, with, with looking at different perspectives on it and helping people understand that, right? That that's important. Absolutely. It is empowering everyone. It truly is empowering when you gain that control in all aspect. So excited to have again, this part two, this continuation of this conversation, and maybe we'll bring a part three, just stay tuned. 
Um, but for now, I just, if anyone has any questions and you really would like to have some answers, just private message either one of us. Um, we welcome any questions that you have. You can put it in the chat if you want to be open and uh, because that will help so many other people because none of us are alone out here. I promise none of us are alone. You're not the only one if you're struggling with some of these issues. Um, so don't be embarrassed, but do ask us any questions. If you want to message privately, um, reach out because again, we are both about, you know, bringing up the quality of health and it does start with the foundation and the foundation of our body and our whole musculoskeletal system is the pelvic floor. So let's all go out and start strengthening our pelvic floor so that we can <laughs> feel empowered in all aspects. Ingrid, thank you again. Thank you so much, Lauren. I really appreciate being on. I enjoy our conversations for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no, I do too. I do too. And so everyone, I'll be dropping the link for Ingrid's book in the chat. And for now, just make it a beautiful rest of your Wednesday. And I'll see you next time on the other side of the studio. Bye. Bye.